0: PART 11 OF WASHINGTON AND THE RIDDLE OF PEACE, BY H. G. WELLS. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FRANCE IN THE LIMELIGHT. WASHINGTON, NOVEMBER 21. THE FIRST SESSION OF THE WASHINGTON CONFERENCE FEATURED, AS THE CINEMATOGRAPH PEOPLE SAY, PRESIDENT HARDING AND MR. SECRETARY HUGHES. THE SECOND DAY WAS MR. Balfour's DAY this third from which i have just come was the session of m briand the four personalities contrast very strikingly president harding was a stately figure making a very noble oration in the best american fashion mr hughes was hard exact clear-cut very earnest and explicit Mr. Balfour, slender and stooping, silver-haired and urbane, made his carefully worded impromptu speech with a care that left no ragged end to a sentence and no gap for applause. All three are taller and neater men than M. Briand, whose mane of hair flows back from his face in Leonine style, whose mobile face and fluent gestures reinforce the stirring notes of his wonderful voice his eloquence was so great that many congressmen in the gallery above quite innocent of french were moved to applause by the sheer grace and music of the performance eloquence could not save the day or the occasion Monsieur briand spoke to a gathering that was saturated with scepticism for the cause he had to plead i watched the quiet scrutinizing countenances of the six men he turned about to face as he spoke Root, Lodge, and Hughes, as immobile as judges, Balfour trying to look like a sympathetic ally in the face of a discourse that insultingly ignored Great Britain as a factor of the European situation, Lord Lee, both likely prostrate and judicial, Geddes, with that faintly smiling face of his, the mask of an unbeliever. The voice of the orator rose and fell boomed at them, pleaded, sought to stir them, like seas breaking over rocks. Their still implacable faces, hardly or politely, retained the effect of listening to a special pleader, a a special pleader doing his best, his foamy best, with an intolerably bad case. Monsieur Briand put before the conference no definite proposals at all after mr hughes with that magnificent discourse of his punctuated by we propose to scrap m briand was an anti-climax france proposed to scrap nothing france does not know how to scrap she learns nothing and forgets nothing it is her supreme misfortune He explained the position of France in a melodious discourse of apologetics and excuses. The French contribution to the disarmament conference is that France has not the slightest intention of disarming. She is reducing her term of service with the colours from three years to two. In a Europe of untrained men, this is not disarmament, but economy." The great feature of M. Briand's discourse was his pretense of the absolute unimportance of England in European affairs. France, for whom, as Mr. Balfour, in a few words of infinite gentleness, reminded M. Briand, France, for whom the French Empire lost a million dead, very nearly as many men as France herself lost, France, to whose rescue from German attack came Britain, Russia, and presently Italy and America. France, M. Briand declared, was alone in the world, friendless and terribly threatened by Germany and Russia. And on the nonsensical assumption of French isolation, M. Briand unfolded a case that was either, I hesitate to consider which, and how shall I put that old alternative, deficient in its estimate of reality, or else, just special pleading, the plain fact of the case is that france is maintaining a vast army in the face of a disarmed world and she is preparing energetically for fresh warlike operations in europe and for war under sea against great britain to excuse this line of action m briand unfolded a fabulous account of the german preparation for a renewal of hostilities every soldier in the small force of troops allowed to germany is an officer or non-commissioned officer so that practically the german army can expand at any moment to millions and germany is not morally disarmed because ludendorff m briand quoted him at some length is still writing and talking militant nonsense even m briand has to admit that the present german government is honest and well-meaning but it is a weak government it is not the real thing the real Germany is the Germany necessary for Mr. Briand's argument. And behind Germany is Russia. He conjured up a great phantom of Soviet Russia, which would have conquered all Europe but for the French armies and Poland. That iniquitous attack of Poland upon Russia last May was, he assured his six quiet-eyed auditors and the rest of us, a violent invasion of Western civilization by Russia. There were those in Germany he said in a voice to make our flesh creep, who beckoned them on. The French have saved us from that. The French army, with its gallant Senegalese, was the peacemaker and guardian of all Europe. One listened incredulous. One waited still incredulous to hear it over again from the interpreter. Yes, we were confirmed. He really had said that poor exhausted russia who saved paris desiring nothing but to be left alone bled white starving invaded by a score of subsidized adventurers invaded from estonia from poland from japan in Murmansk, in the crimea in the ukraine on the volga incessantly invaded it is this russia which has put france on the offensive defensive one is reminded of the navvy who kicked his wife to death to protect himself from her violence it is interesting to recall here that one of the kaiser's favorite excuses for german armament when it was germany and not france which aspired to dominate europe was his acute dread of the yellow peril when he talked to the journalists in preparation for this display m briand excused france for wanting submarines in quantity because he said she was liable to attack upon three coasts but maturer reflection omitted this aspect of the french case from m briand's attention it was too thick even for an american audience and even mr balfour with all his charming tenderness for a fellow statesman could not well have avoided the plain question from whom does france anticipate a sea attack france is in about as much danger of an attack upon her three coasts as the united states of america is upon her canadian frontier her ships are as safe upon the sea as a wayfarer on fifth avenue if she builds submarines now she builds them to attack british commerce and for no other reason whatever all the Ludendorffs and soviets in the world do not justify a single submarine every submarine she launches is almost as direct a breach of the peace with britain as though she were to start target practice at dover harbor across the straits and every one in england will understand the aim of her action as clearly as m briand in his discourse to the journalists argued that the empire of france was as far-flung as that of britain her need to protect her communication was as great. This was in the face of Mr. Balfour's reminder that Britain can feed its people only for seven weeks if its overseas supplies are cut off. France can feed from her own soil all the year round. The argument was not good enough for a boys debating society, and M. Briand, who is prepared to scrap nothing else, was at least well advised to scrap that i will confess that i am altogether perplexed by the behaviour of france at the present time i do not understand what she believes she is doing in europe and i do not understand her position in this conference why could she not have co in this conference instead of making it a scene of special pleading i have already said that the french here seem to be more foreign than any other people and least in touch with the general feeling of the assembly They seem to have come here as national advocates, as special pleaders, without any of that passionate desire to lay the foundations of a world settlement that certainly animates nearly every other delegation. They do not seem to understand how people here regard either the Conference or France. There is indeed a great and enduring enthusiasm for France in America marshal foch has gone about in america as the greatest of heroes and the most popular figure he has been overwhelmed by hospitality and smothered by every honor america could heap upon him the french flag is far more in evidence than the british in both new york and washington this may easily give french visitors the idea that they are exceptional favorites here and that france can count upon american backing in any quarrels she chooses to pick with the british or the germans or the russians there could be no greater error the enthusiasm for foch is largely personal he was the general of all the allies the enthusiasm for france is largely traditional and it does not extend to the french nationals or the present day america loves as all liberal and intelligent men throughout the world must love france the great liberator of men's minds France of the great revolution, the France of art and light, France the beautiful and the gallant. It is hard to write bitterly of a country that can give the world an anatole France, sane and smiling, or so brave and balanced a gentleman as the late Robert de Lumer. But where is that France today? none of that france has come to the washington conference but only an impenitent apologist for three years of sins against the peace of the world an apologist for national aggression and reckless greed disguised as discretion here in new york and washington i find just the same steady change of opinion about france that is going on in london i want to write it down as plainly as i can I want to get it over to my friends in France, because I have loved France greatly, and I do not think the French people realize what is going on among the English-speaking peoples. People here want to see Europe recuperating, and they are beginning to realize that the French obstacle to a recuperating Europe is the obstinate French resolve to dominate the continent, to revive and carry out the antiquated and impossible policy of Louis the Fourteenth maintaining an ancient and intolerable quarrel, setting pole against German, and brewing mischief everywhere in order to divide and rule, instead of entering frankly into a European brotherhood. Feeling about Germany and Austria is changing here, even more rapidly than in England, to pity and indignation. Feeling about Russia is drifting the same way. One detects these undercurrents in the minds of the most unlikely people people are recalling the france of napoleon the third that restless and mischievous france which came so near to a conflict with america in mexico and which kept europe in a fever for a quarter of a century it is an enormous loss to the washington conference it is a misfortune to all the world that the great qualities of the French people, their clear headedness, their powerful and yet practical imaginations, seem at present to be entirely subordinated to the merely rhetorical and emotional side of the French character. End of part 11.